Tax season is coming up, everybody. It ain't sexy, but it's necessary. And for years, I have been filing with BrassTaxes.com. Yep, they offer tax help for freelancers, artists, and as their website calls it, other nice people. The sooner you schedule your first appointment, the cheaper it is to file with them. So if you don't feel like you've been getting your money's worth out of quote-unquote free tax applications, head on over to BrassTaxes.com and schedule a consultation today. Let them know Billy Presida sent you. I'll get a little bit on the back end. BrassTaxes.com. Let's get to the show. The Handy is the first sex toy that's ever made me feel like there's a sure thing in the bottom drawer. If you have a dick, (laughs) you need this. And we've got a new promo code, so listen up. Use code BillyValentine21 for a $15 voucher to add an accessory to your bag at thehandy.com. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the strippers and the double dippers, to the hoes, the pros, and those in the know. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Ooh, felt smooth. That one felt good. We'll see how many takes this takes. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to the show if you're new. Welcome back if you're not. This week on the podcast, I have got on the illustrious, the gorgeous, the hilarious, the industrious Marcella Alonzo, everyone. Uh, Marcella is a, an online sex worker, though the term has changed several times over the course of her over 25-year career. Oh, this is a blockbuster of an episode. Uh, there's so much to get into with her, and I cannot wait to share her story with y'all in a little bit. But first, you know, let's update you on this roommate situation. Holy shit. Uh, you know, those of y'all who maybe showed up just for Marcella, you may be skipping forward. Uh, otherwise, welcome to my fucking world that I'm in, in my basement in Bushwick. Yeah, so I, <laughs> as as some people have been picking up on my social media and I've alluded to over the last couple of weeks, things in my apartment are getting just a little bit untenable. Just a, it's just getting a little petty over here. Uh, too, a little too passive aggressive for my taste. And so things have been tense between us kind of since the beginning because she's, OCD clean and has this aversion to my existence. But the last couple of months have gone from that to like cuckoo bananas. And I say cuckoo bananas because I was once told that uh, crazy is offensive to say for people with like certain mental illnesses and that instead I could use a term like cuckoo bananas. Now, I haven't ever been diagnosed with any sort of mental disorder that someone might label as crazy, but uh, like I just got to imagine if I were, like cuckoo bananas feels so much more offensive than the word crazy. I don't know. Call me cuckoo bananas, but just it seems weird. Now, I, I preface this with saying there's a lot of stuff. It's all like micro this, gaslight that is a um, series and pattern of behaviors, but th- I'm going to point out one of them. 
as a good example, but I promise you this is not about a bottle of Pam. I am not crazy. But a couple months ago, I bought a bottle of Pam and I put it, uh, you know, on the counter next to the stove. I started noticing early on that it kept getting moved into this cupboard. Uh, this cupboard, by the way, is where all of Billy Priscilla exists in the upstairs portion of this apartment in the kitchen. Like early on when she when she moved in, because she moved in late, she started reorganizing the kitchen. And she took anything that was mine and she put it in this one cupboard. So as if we could say, ah, oh, I almost totally forgot there's like a, there's an old man who I think has a gross body living, living with me, unless I open that cupboard that I never go into. So I've been stuffed in the cupboard. So I noticed that the Pam ended up in the cupboard. So I put it back. Now we notice come out again. I put it back. This happens for like a week. So then I see, I see MJ in the kitchen one day and I say, Hey, you know, MJ, I noticed that the Pam keeps uh, ending up in the cupboard. Is that you? And she says, yes. I kept like knocking it over. Now, the Pam was next to a small butcher's block, a big-ass bottle of olive oil, and some salt and pepper shakers, yet she's only knocking over my bottle of Pam for some reason. So bizarre, so strange. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. And so I go, okay, I'm instantly giving up on trying to fight for where I want it because I've already had like a half dozen versions of this be a repeated fight since she had moved in. So I'm just like, whatever. Hey, there's a lot of places we can put it then. Cool. Like I'm open-minded to where we put the pot of Pam. If it's important to you, just please don't put it in the cupboard because I only use the Pam when I cook and there's nothing that I cook in the cupboard. So to put it there specifically actually makes my cooking experience even more inconvenient. Yeah, whatever. And then the Pam ends up back in the cupboard. And then I just start giving up. I experimented with like moving the olive oil. I was like, oh, I'll move her olive oil into the cupboard when she puts the Pam in the cupboard. And then like after a week, I got tired of that because I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not seven anymore. This is, that's not fun. It's not the type of house I want to live in. And the Pam keeps coming out. I put it on the counter. She puts it in the cupboard. Back and forth, back and forth. So last week on Wednesday... MJ moved the bottle of Pam four times. Like after the second or third time, I'd start texting our other roommate, which is her best friend. They moved in together. They're in the same grad school together, right? So I texted her. I was like, oh, look at MJ moving the Pam again. I'm trying to find humor in it because it's so childish, but it's also like a pain in my ass because, again, it's not just the Pam. It's just like there's a whole bunch of Pam-like situations going on. So then I just end up, after the third time, I just go and I go into uh, our other roommate's room. And then we have a conversation about what's up with me and MJ. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know what's up. I, we, we both established that I am living up to the expectations that I warned everyone about. I'm a little loud. I talk about sex. I sometimes will come for money. And I'm a little messy, but I totally clean if you tell me to. She affirms that like I am living up to the cleanliness standards that they have set. So there's no complaints there. Um, <laughs> she's like, I'm okay with the bottle of Pam being on the counter. So it's not, so it's not a, uh, so I'm not being outvoted on Pam placement, but also she says like, Hey, she won't even talk to me either. She's not even telling me why she like hates you. And all I've tried to do is be nice to this girl since she moved here. Right. Like, cause I know she's in a new city. She's in an, the, an unideal living situation. It's a pandemic during her first year in grad school in, you know, in, in New York, like she should be out partying. I mean, she still is cause she's a piece of shit person during COVID, but you know, like, you know, she should be out partying and having fun. 
which she does. She's on vacation right now. She's going to like two different states. But she's like, yo, she won't even tell me. I don't know what's going on. But like I see and affirm the things that are, I, you know, you claim are happening. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm glad to know I'm not cuckoo bananas. She's like, no, Billy, you're not cuckoo bananas. Maybe a little crazy, but not cuckoo. I say, thanks. So I walk out the door. And then I look to the, the counter. And um, I, felt, I felt pretty cuckoo bananas because the Pam was gone for a fourth fucking time. <laughs> So I go, like, I go to the cupboard to open it and then, like, text our other roommate a picture and be like, ha-ha, and it's not in the cupboard. And I'm like, did this bitch hide my bottle of Pam? Are you seven? What? Who does that? This is, this is absurd. This is actually, like, being in college again. And I didn't even get pranked that bad in college. It actually felt like being in high school, boarding school with troubled kids Cause that's the type of place I went, but I'm like, fuck it, whatever. I don't even want to bother like looking for her. I don't want to give her the satisfaction of seeing me like on my hands and knees looking for shit. I'm not going to play your game, bitch. And then I had therapy. <laughs> I had group therapy and I had a group of dudes telling me like, you know, assert myself and like be, uh, you know, and state boundaries and things that are, you know, this is going to happen like this. So I was like, all right, cool. I can do that. And then I, so the next morning I took a shower and then, uh, I, on my way back from the shower, I stopped at MJ's room. I'm like, MJ, where, uh, Hey, where's my Pam? She's like, I don't know where your Pam is, Billy. She's also, by the way, like calling me fat and gross without saying like, Hey, you are fat and gross. She'll just, you know, she's just like looking at me, looking at me and saying like, ew, gross. But she's like doing that thing like with her eyes where she's like calling you a fat fuck, but she doesn't say where the words, but she makes sure that I know that she eyed me from toe to head and disapproved. And the fucked up thing about like hot 23 year old girls is that like you go, you kind of want to impress, like even when you fucking hate their guts and you don't want anything to do with them. My group therapy said like, do you want to have sex with her? I'm like, no, she's a fucking monster of a human. I don't care what her body's like. But like there is a sense when you're around like really attractive people, you almost like want their approval even when you hate their guts so weird <laughs> so i was like why am i letting her hurt my feelings with her eyes <laughs> no but she's like uh so she's like i don't know where your pam is and i'm like hey kelsa and i both know that you moved my pam i don't care i just want to make eggs oh billy you're gonna have to like look through your shit i'm hot but like garbage uh and, and and then that's when my and then my therapist gave me this example. He said that when he used to work at like a you know a mental health facility, there was a dude who had realized. I think he he said like the dude is autistic, but he had figured out that he can make the entire world stop if he takes his clothes off. So if he got naked, like the world stops and all the attention's on him, and everyone's going to be trying to focus on him, and nothing else can like occur because he's naked. And that, like, there was no reasoning with the guy. And he tells me all the things that they tried and they failed at. And they're like, yeah, we just weren't going to get through to him. And so then I sit there. And then at the end of the doc story, I say, so, like, what did y'all do to get him to put his clothes on? He's like, I don't remember. I'm like, how is this supposed to make me feel better? <laughs> There's you, You're supposed to tell an anecdote to relieve me, not to uh, ensure that, like, yeah, dude, it does not get better. Dan Savage was wrong. He's like, it does get better when your lease expires. Uh, good job. So I'm just like, oh, this bitch is just whatever. Okay. 
I'm going to put up with this shit. I just got to get to August. And then on Sunday night, I was about to make myself some dinner. Uh, and I was not going to be using Pam because remember, we do not know where it is. And uh, quote unquote, neither does MJ. So I'm, I'm making myself dinner and I'm looking at the stove and the stove feels like pulled out from the wall a bit. And I'm like, well, she says she knocks it over a lot. And I don't know. I just had a hunch. Let's take a peek. And I get up on the counter and I lean over and look behind our gas stove oven. And there is the Pam. Cap off clearly was knocked over. I'll give her the benefit of doubt. I don't think she planted it behind the stove. I think she knocked it over and was like, ugh, I don't want to have to go get that. But also, like, Billy can fuck himself. So I'm just going to, like, pretend I don't know where it is. The reason why that's retarded is because Pam is an aerosol can. And aerosol cans are flammable. Like you're not supposed to hold an open flame up to an aerosol can, let alone have it sit behind a gas stove oven. A gas stove oven that in theory has the potential to go boom to an apartment. Which means that this fucking chick is either stupid and doesn't know that, or she's diabolical and she's willing to let the apartment blow up. What? To like, what are you, owning the libs? Are you... Huh? And that's not even the craziest, cuckooist part. She leaves the next morning to go on her little vacay. And then my roommate, my our other roommate, her, her best friend, by the way, her dear friend, we should say now. I don't know how that relationship's holding up. But our other roommate texts me and says, hey, can you come up here? And I, I, I want to ask you a question. I say, okay, sure. And she says, hey, did you like retaliate against MJ at all? I said, nothing really comes to mind. I mean, like I did move the olive oil for like a week into the cupboard, but then I stopped doing that because I was like, oh yeah, I'm a goddamn adult. So, but nothing else. And I said, I even was like, hey, you know, if you say and it jogs my memory, I'll own up to it. I just, I don't think so. She's like, because MJ seems to think that you put something in her toner and I was like, what's toner? Like, I won't even know how to fuck with a bottle of toner because I don't really know what it is. I don't know what color it is. I don't know what it smells like. Like, I feel like there's formulas for how to fuck with certain bathroom items. Like, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to pee in sunscreen. I think you're supposed to come in shampoo. No, I think I have those reversed. But you get what I mean. I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to do with the toner. She's like, yeah, she seems really paranoid that you're retaliating against her. And she currently is allowed to work with children as a therapy person. What? So that's what's up here. So she's not going to be back until I think like Sunday or Monday. And we will fucking see. Uh, so shout out to my Patreon community for like, I don't know, keeping the Billy escape from the basement in Bushwick fund going. Which, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Michael McDonald right now. See how I'm slipping that fan whore appreciation moment in right there? Yup. Michael McDonald, another one of our British fan whores. Love it. Uh, the British fan whores. A lot like the American fan whores, but with sexier accents and socialized medicine. Loving it, Michael. Thanks for being a member. Thanks for supporting the show. Um, or did we wrap up the MJ story? I sure, maybe, but for now, I just want you to know that you too can become a member of the fan or community for just $2 a month for just $2. You can save a poor mentally strained boy in a basement in Bushwick for the, <laughs> 
for the cost of just five bazooka joes a week, you can improve his quality of life and sanity. Visit patreon.com slash podcast to learn more. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Oh, and, uh, and this one's free, totally free to do, by the way. Uh, if you want to connect with like-minded individuals, you want to make some, uh, some new sex-positive friends, you want to connect with fellow fan whores, you got to come join us in the champagne room. You got it, okay? I, I know Discord feels intimidating. I was intimidated by it, too. That's why it took so long to transfer the champagne room from Facebook to Discord. But once I did, I was kicking myself that I didn't do it years ago. It's kind of like, you know, an AOL chat room functionality with like that Tumblr sleekness and without any of the pedophilia of the AOL chat rooms. Yeah. And it's totally free to join. So uh, if you're curious about it, check out the show notes uh, of this episode or visit manhorpod.com slash discord. Guess in the champagne room. And I do get really fascinated when it comes to uh, different industries, whether it's like TV and film, or if it's with social media, with comedy, or sex work. And I find the evolution of sex work, uh, especially as it entered a digital age, to be pure, so fascinating. And to see like how it keeps adapting and morphing, morphing and shifting, because like you know you can't kill these whores. Um, you know the the ooh that one's that didn't feel good to say because people do, and it's really sad. What I meant to say is like, you can't kill the concept of the whore, okay, the professional sex worker, okay, the hoe, the oldest profession, right? Okay, it's always been around and it always will be. And it always has to find ways to move around and to shift and to hustle and to make that money, whether it's to put yourself through school or to you know feed a kid or whatever. And I thought Marcella's story really encapsulated that because it wasn't just that she's been doing X, Y, or Z for 25 years. She is adept with the times that she has found more efficient ways to make money, different ways to make money, uh, ways to make money that she enjoyed more than others. When I uh, when I met her in that clubhouse room, you know, she would repeatedly kind of brag and be like, honey, I've done it all except studio porn. And when I found out she'd been doing it for 25 years, I was like, I want to I want to hear all about it. We've recorded almost like two hours. So like, uh, you know, there's a lot going on here. Uh, tomorrow, I am putting out a bonus episode on Patreon. And that's like about 15 minutes that I clipped out of this episode uh, that I think you will really enjoy. She teaches us uh, some concepts about the game. I'll leave it at that. Come on in. She'll also share, you know, where she feels like, you know, what direction her career is going, you know, after the quarantine. So that's going to be a fun, juicy one. If you want a little extra, again, patreon.com slash manwhorepodcast. Um, but for now, let, let's let just, let's go strip through the decades. Let's go through the years of tickling dicks. Let's, let's hear just, just a, just a chapter of the epic of Marcella Alonzo. This segment of the Man Whore Podcast is brought to you by The Handy, the orgasm machine dick havers have been waiting for. I know I have. And uh, in honor of our friends over in the Scandinavian lands, I want to teach you all a few words, a little bit of naughtiness in Norwegian with the help of my co-star, Google Translate. All right. So our first word is going to be hand job. Y'all catch that? Hanyab? Yeah. All about the hanyab. Okay. Well, our next word will then be masturbate. 
naturally, right? <laughs> All right, let's get a little bit raunchier. Ooh, baby, you make me want to come so hard. Come so hard. <laughs> okay, la last one, last one, I swear. Slap my ass and call me daddy. Sling my or call my papa. Yeah, the handy makes me want a gal to sling my call and call me papa. If you had just one sex toy, just one, for your solo sessions, this is it. It's the beginning and end of your search, okay? So visit thehandy.com and use promo code, uh, you got a pen, BillyValentine21, BillyValentine21, for a $15 voucher for a free accessory. Uh, what does that mean? That means like it could be an extra sleeve. You get some lube on the side. You definitely want a lot of lube with this toy. Uh, maybe a conch ring to just add some extra sensation. So again, get your handy today with code BillyValentine21 at T-H-E-H-A-N-D-Y dot com. I know it's a long code. I'll have it in the show notes. I see a post-vaccine era on the horizon. I wonder who's going to be joining me over there. And who's going to be joining me over at altplayground.net? Yup, because that is the only lifestyle site you're going to want to be on when that horizon arrives. To, you know, to quote our esteemed friend of the pod, Andrea Allen, you're going to be fucking, you're going to be sucking and fingering and orgy doming and squirting and dog collaring. Uh and you'll want to connect with like-minded sluts to do it all. APG is filled with experienced lifestylers and serious newbies. Yeah, that's the thing. Putting membership behind a paywall it helps keep out the riffraff and the flakes. When you join altplayground.net, you'll find out that the members aren't playing around. So prepare for your next non-monogamous adventure at altplayground.net. Let me guess. You know you should pay for some of your porn. You know it's the right thing to do. But no one's site has all the different porn that you like. Wrong. Hotmovies.com features hundreds of thousands of videos from all your favorite porn studios, featuring all your favorite porn stars doing all your favorite porn sex stuff. And now they're introducing Hot Movies Select Unlimited. Their monthly subscription service giving you unlimited viewing time and unlimited reruns for their curated library of films. Just $24.95 a month to have all the porn you could possibly need. Yeah, they got enough. And use promo code MANHOR for a bonus at checkout and so they know who sent you. Hotmovies.com. Promo code MANHOR. Now let's get to the show. I went to Vancouver right when Donald Trump was a president. And I actually stood there for about two weeks. And I was not very, um, I, I appreciated America. And it's hard to, I really appreciate America visiting there. Um, I did meet various different types of sex workers, um, all very nice women. And the pricing structure was way down. Mm -hmm. What, what, you can know? you give us an example, like what an hour long date might be? An hour, they weren't even doing hours. Some of them were doing 15 minutes for $50. Like literally two or 300 was the most. You know, the cis Caucasian woman, they they did get the, you know, the most. And then you had, you know, um, the black and brown. And also I learned that um, in Canada, they don't say American Indian, they say first generation. Right. And um, 
everybody that was not like Caucasian was a lot way down in price. Um, and I met, like I said, various sex workers. It was kind of like a little project I did because I was trying to look for a space to rent. And, um, and was I this all because like Donald won and you were considering like moving? Yeah, it, he yeah. Uh, he won. And I really was I was really I was serious about leaving. Mm -hmm. And I went there for exactly two weeks. And um I met different people. Um, there was a spa that I even went to and I met the owner of it. She was a very nice woman. But the money wasn't right for you. The money, well, the money was way low. And, and even I remember I was renting a space and there was a, a absolutely a gorgeous little cute, um, she, you know, she was Caucasian. She was Can Canadian and she had, the, you know, she was so cute. And she was like, yeah, I do. Yeah. With her accent, she was like uh, 15 minutes, $50. And I was like, whoa. Like, but is it is she, it possible that that was just like the spa level type of worker and and not the? This girl was an independent girl that was renting like a space, and so basically, I guess she negotiated like she paid a day rate, and she said, "Well, yeah." She was saying that 50, she loved fifty dollars for fifteen minutes. That's 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 two hundred for an hour, which at a happy ending massage parlor in New York. That's in the range of like no, a standard. These, these were not these were not no happy endings because okay. she told me, yeah, she 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 was like, look, I just get them out in and out quick. And she's like, I got to go. A she's real playing tight. the volume game. She's like, I'm gonna do high she's volume She's playing the volume game. And then also because I said, you know, what about central massage or whatever? And and, and um, she was like, oh, you know what? I got some lickable when I said massage. <laughs> OK, she said, I've got some. um flavored chocolate syrup here i could lick them too for the massage so i was like Whoa. she's trying to add value without <laughs> upping yes. the price <laughs> and i was like so i didn't want to be judgmental Aww. to her i was in her space she was a cute girl i was like oh, okay that's nice you know because when in rome you do as the romans do you know and i was like okay that's great and i i um i just you know after being two weeks there i really i love the canadian people i love them a lot um, I just and I did started feeling, you know, the reality set in. Um, and then I learned about what they did to the first generations. Um, that kind of turned me off to the Canada. Nobody really talks about that. And what they did is they pulled a lot of children that were out of their homes that were first um, First Nation people. That's what they call it, not first generation. They pulled the First Nation children out of the home and they put them into these Catholic schools to take away their culture. And that really turned me off to uh, the Canadian government. You know, even though, you know, the people are nice or whatever, you know, Canada has a little dark history too, just like America does. Sure. So, yeah. So I, I just, after that, I really did miss, um, and this was Vancouver at the time I was living on the West Coast, but I just, you know, reality set in. You know, and then also how it was, you know, how I particularly was raised at, you know, would, you know, being my father always taught me when, you know, anything's legal, the pricing goes down. That's, that's, a, that's a matter of fact. So I just was personally turned down in the long history of me being in the um, adult entertainment business, because that's what I call it my day. Now they've changed the term to sex worker. Um you know, I know things would be a lot harder, you know. Now, just as context for like what I'm about to say, you were all like, oh, wow, they're only doing this 200 ish dollar an hour rate. But at the time, like, what was your hourly rate back in New York or the States? I wasn't in New York. I was living out of L.A. So um, so I used to do um, 
so I, this is the thing. My background came more from stripping and I did stri um, strip club parties. And then the whole reason I got into seeing people privately was um, I didn't when I was doing the bachelor parties, I didn't want to fuck anybody. So I started doing sensual massage. But I was I was in L.A. and I was I want to say like 250 to like 300. And but I had some awesome. This was awesome, guys. This was a happy ending. Like this wasn't when I'm talking, when you go to Canada, there's no, <laughs> it's a full enchilada. Right. Cause the pricing is so low. It's like, we might as well. Right. And then also though, it's a good stress relief. I feel like it's more appealing also for men versus going to the escort um, because some guys, you know, they don't want all that. Maybe they're dating somebody. Maybe they just don't want. And I just noticed that was my thing. Um, but when I was in L.A., I would constantly get people coming back. Um, so that was my thing. That was my little, what's it called? Sure, Forte, sure. whatever. Um, I, it wasn't um, because for me personally, if I saw some if if somebody saw me more personal level, then they like started fetishizing me and I didn't feel comfortable with that. Opposed to um, a cis white girl that, I don't know, gets adored, I would get fetishized. Automatically, they're thinking about, and I've had this happen, their ex-Mexican wife, you know, their their Venezuelan girlfriend they once had, or the trip that they made somewhere, and then they get kind of stalkerish with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it never ended well. So for me, the the like massage game was, and the domination game, I love fetish work. But also fetish work, I felt too, um, I enjoyed it too much where I felt like I wanted to be a lifestyler. Sure. Well, well, let's, yeah. let's, let's just real quick, let me introduce, I'm here mm -hmm. right now with the fabulous, um, well-traveled Marcella Alonzo. Yes. So Hello. we met in a clubhouse room that I actually talked about uh, here on the show a couple of weeks ago. And it was this clubhouse room full of sex workers. And it was various types of sex workers of uh, different makes and models, looks, types of sex work. But you, you were all like, oh, honey, I've done it all. I've done it all short of studio porn. And I was like, wow, how long have you been doing this? And you were like, yeah, since the mid-90s. And I was like, wow, you've seen it all. You've seen it all. You've done it all. You've seen the changes. And I was like, I want to talk to this woman. And I know you've got a story of your own, but I've got so many curious questions about the progression of like where sex work was and where it is now. Oh, it's changed. What, oh, what, it's changed. Oh, yeah. It's changed so much. You know, some people would be like, yeah. it changed so much in the last five years. Now that think stretch it out to 25. I'm just like, you know, I was watching Rugrats in 95 and you were like, I'm ready to like collect some money. <laughs> I was on the pole. You were on the pole. I was watching Rugrats. <laughs> you were on the pole. <laughs> I love yep. it. So what, why, why don't you tell us just how you first got into sex work? What brought you to that? And what was the first type uh, of sex work that you were doing? Okay. So I started in the year 1995. I was actually 17 years old when I started. Um, I was almost about to turn 18. Um, I had a child at a young age the day after my 16th birthday. I finished high school on my own. With a child, um, I was trying to work a part-time job. I had a racist boss. Um, you know, he didn't really care for a Hispanic woman. Um, I was raised down in Florida. I was working at a pizza place, and he would cut my hours. And at the and he would um, I would take everybody's hours. They would go out for Friday night. I was like, I'll go work. I'll work. 
And so I was getting benefits uh, like food stamps and uh, Medicaid and all that because, again, I was 17 years old with a child, a baby, and um, I was just trying to survive. I also was living on my own at that age. Um, My family kind of turned their back on me. So it was literally just me and my kid. And so here I am working a square job. And um, I had like I, I got into college early and I discovered I could get scholarships that could help me with the bills. And I remember I brought in a scholarship because it was something if you went to work, your boss could sign in and you could get like a couple hundred dollars. And my boss refused to sign it again. He was really racist. Um, he was like, are you going to give me half of the money? And I'm like, are you serious? I go, I'm going to college. You know, I'm 17. And he made a comment. Well, you're living off the government. Like, and to me, and here I was it's like, bitch, I come into work for you. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. So, and you know, I have an issue with something sometimes Republicans because they don't want you to, to have o- an only, so, only sometimes. <laughs> well, when you pay enough taxes, sometimes you're like, Oh, okay, hold on. But, um, No, but I was working. I wasn't like I wasn't working, but I honestly couldn't afford, you know, again, I was going to college, trying to get scholarships to pay for my living expenses. And I had this boss that would just cut hours. So he wrote, because I had to turn in so I could get, um, get my food stamps and all that. They cut all my benefits because he said I was working 25 hours a week at like a waitress salary, which I really, the following week, he gave me five hours and nobody was taking off. So I was like stuck in a pickle at 17 years old. So I knew um, because somebody like a family friend danced, I was like, how can I get money to pay for my living expenses to survive? And, um, and I was very blessed to have this one particular job because I was actually turned down at McDonald's, which was right next door. What? They turned people down? Uh, hello, I lived in Tampa, Florida. And Marcella, I was Hispanic. I've seen people who have no no hands get hired by McDonald's. I, <laughs> right, but where I was living was predominantly Caucasian, okay? So I was Hispanic. I'm Hispanic. And I remember I applied next door. Like I was trying, I was applying at different stores. Had a Starbucks pick, or back then there was no Starbucks, but you know, that to give you an example of, I applied at different jobs, you know, like not just, it wasn't just I chose that, you know, that particular job that I had, he cut my hours just like totally. So I went into this club that didn't even, it was called 2001 Odyssey in Tampa. It's right across the street from another club called Mons Venus, which is very famous. And I started working there. And um, right away, I started working, I was able to make in the beginning, um, like $200 in a couple hours, and then be off and not have to pay the babysitter so much money. So I did that five days a week, and all of a sudden I was able. I got off and every. He put, he freaking, put you on stage at seventeen. They didn't check my ID. Oh. Now the club across the street. I'm going to get to that. They would not. I knew I could not go over there. The club across the street, Mons Venus. I knew they would check my ID, so I didn't go over there till I was turned eighteen. And um. And here there I are was, college kids all over uh, New York City who are like, "Oh no, you can only go to this liquor store because they don't ID you." But you, <laughs> like, you're just trying to find a place to work who won't ID you. 
No, I was trying to find a place to work and I was actually living on my own at 17, paying for my college again. Um, well, I did get grants, but then after I started dancing, I was like, fuck this welfare, fuck this grants or whatever. I literally paid a majority of my, and I'll go into that and the rest of the story. Um, so when I went into the club, um, because again, I could only work like mid shift. I couldn't really work night shift because night shift was reserved for the Caucasian blonde girls. So, um, and anybody that was of like a uh, color, you know, or Hispanic, they had to either work day shift or mid shift. But I was like, okay with that. I was like, okay, I'll go ahead. And, you know, there was a little racism back then. If you were blonde, if you were white, you could walk in the door and, work any damn shift you wanted to that was it was in the night it was real like it was real um so I worked for a little bit and then once I was 18 I did go hop across the street at Mons Venus and that owner is the most wonderful owner that Mons Venus was one of the best clubs I ever worked at um the owner was just awesome um but they did have a thing with the weight like they were really big on the weight. The owner never gave me trouble. Um, the female, um, his name's Joe Redner. He's very famous, by the way, if you Google him. He never directly gave me, but the management sometimes would say something about my weight. At the time, I was five foot four, 120 pounds. <laughs> like I was small. I was real small. It's like, what, what, what more, more do you want me to lose? <laughs> Well, I think it was a control issue with the management, honestly. I don't think it so much was my weight issue because the owner, I know the owner was picky about weight, but I don't know what. They're just finding a right, reason to right, say Right, no. right, right, right. But overall, that club has to be one of the best clubs that I ever worked at. Um, with the, What makes what makes a good strip um, club? Well, that owner, you would just, you didn't have to go pay like an upfront fee. You would just pay the management. You know, you would... Um, they had a jukebox at Mons Venus. So there was like no up free, no hidden fees at, at uh, 2001 across the street. There was all this bullshit, different corporations going on. That's why I left 2001 once I turned 18, because first of all, they were kind of crooked to hire somebody at 17 years old. OK, so right. I went with the more legit club right across the street, Mons Venus. Um, and that one, like I said, like I remember I would just throw the manager five bucks if I worked. Um it was like overall probably $25 to work, which is nothing low, you know. And I did make way more money at Mons than I did at um, 2001. And it would just go from various scales, you know, like. And I could also win Mons Venus. Um, I did. I could go in any time of day or night and work any amount of hours. If I wanted to work one hour, if I wanted to work eight hours, I could do that. So that club allowed me and I really thank that owner of the freedom it gave because um, my child that club in the four years I was there I was able to save up for my oldest daughter's college fund um, for her first four years I didn't know she was going to go after a master's but um, how long did it take for you to make that much tuition money for her like in four years, but what I, but this is the thing, there was a program called the Florida prepaid college fund. And I don't know why at such a young age, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I put like probably only 8,000 in, it was very little to put in, but it covered her tuition for the first four years of her college. But I also, one thing I have to say about me dancing, um, I really didn't get into drinking or doing drugs probably till later on. And then that was a short, short period of time that I did. I was always sober. What? Yeah. Which is rare. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
And so how long did you dance for? Uh, oh, God. A total period of time. <laughs> Well, uh, well, th- this particular oh, step, okay, I'm trying to okay. take us through. So when I was at Mons Venus, and what happened was um, they started, something went on where they started doing raids. And I be- I think I was about 21 years old, and they were raiding at Mons Venus. And then I was like, fuck it, let me... They're, they're looking They're looking for prostitution. No, not looking for prostitution. Basically, the owner of the club and the mayor weren't getting along. And then the, the mayor made some law Ugh. about six foot. It was a big fucking ordeal. Don't you hate that like like two men's pissing contest fucks up your money? That's my whole career. That's been my whole <laughs> my, my whole, whole career, career is two men, is men fucking up my, my money. My whole like everything my my vagina is men if they want to fuck with like abortion it's men involved and and women's decisions. That's my whole fucking career. It's nothing new. It's been happening. So that started when I was 21. When I was 21 I went down to Miami. I tried Miami a bit. I wasn't really crazy about Miami, but the thing about Miami, guess what? I could be freaking who I am in Miami more, meaning, you know, there was other Hispanic girls where in Tampa, it was predominantly Caucasian. You know, there were Spanish girls. Did you yeah. try to, did you, what, what did you have to, did you change anything about yourself when you would perform in Tampa versus um, Miami? I felt more, com- like I, I always dyed my hair blonde. Did you maybe like speak differently well, I, or dress differently for the white people versus? Um, with the white people, I felt for the for the white clubs, I always had to be super thin, and I even um, my when I got my breast done, I got some I lipoed out my hips and I cried and I begged the plastic surgeon to suck my ass out. <laughs> I cried. Thank God. No, they did thank not God do they that, didn't right? do it. But that's how bad you know that's how bad things were back at my day. And now girls are getting asses and getting hips and getting all this. And I, you know, like it, it was different. Like, but in Miami, I, you know, I saw more curves. You know, it was. Um, I just could be, you know, like the way I am at home. Not, I didn't have to be like, "Hi, boys, how are you?" You know. Um, but it, I didn't really care working for in Miami. I really didn't care. <coughs> um, personally work in Miami. Miami's one city I don't like, like LA. I didn't like working in LA. And I'll go into that more. Okay. I didn't like dancing so- in Miami. When I was 21, I went to my first trip in Vegas. And Vegas to me was like the Mecca, the whole glorious, like it was, that was like the thing. Like that was, if you went to Vegas, you were big. Like that's where the big money's at. And, um, what something happened with and I have to tell you the story why I moved. So basically, um, I was just now finished with four years of college. And I was going to do an internship with Time magazine. And I saved up enough money, but my daughter needed to get Medicaid, but I had to hide some money. So I put it under my mother's name. So that way I could just dance one day a week. And then I could finish this internship and get a vanilla job, right? Because I paid for all my school because none of my family did. Um, I'm asking my mom, hey, where's this money? Because I want to prepay my mortgage. I bought a house, by the way. My mother gave the money to my sister, <laughs> And didn't tell me anything. So, and I had saved up enough money 
So basically, I could finish this internship, you know, work one day a week. Also, I was dealing with the rates. So there may have been a time because I'm working for a legit company that I can't get arrested and go to work. So I had enough money saved. It was just about 10 grand. But I had, I had purposely like I had no credit card debt. I never really had credit card debt. um, Because I'm very good with my money. But I had enough money saved that in four or five months, I would be cool. You know, my mortgage was low on my house and everything. And my mother spent this money and it was like a slap in the face. So I was mad and I was upset and I was like, fuck it. If I'm going to be a stripper, I'm going to be the best fucking stripper there is. I'm going to go to Vegas. Mom stole money and gave it to my fucking sister, my pendeja sister. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so that it was really discouraging because again, um, you know, when I started dancing, I quit getting every benefit I could. The only thing I really got was Medicaid so my child could have. And I was worried about that. And the only reason I hid before anybody comes after me because I did med- like for some Medicaid fraud. The only reason I was just trying to make sure my child, if something happens, was covered. I, th- I think anyone listening with a child would. Do right, the same. right. But you've got some people that are like, you know, so my mother. They don't, they, yeah. those people don't use Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they don't, don't listen. That. They don't listen to you. Yeah. So anyway, I went to Vegas. And like I said, it was the Mecca and all that of stripping. And I'm really glad that I left Tampa. Um, Tampa was like a small town. That's the town I was raised in. I wasn't born there. Um, you know, it it just was like a small, like, kick. Still to this day, I'm like, I, uh, uh, God, uh, Tampa. Anyway, I'm just not crazy about it personally because it's so small and I just, you know, and I something inside of me felt like I was bigger or whatever. I went to Vegas and I worked at um, before I worked at Crazy Horse 2, I worked at the club called Cheetahs. I liked it. It was cool. But then I discovered Crazy Horse 2. And along with Mons Venus, Crazy Horse 2 and Mons Venus were my two favorite strip clubs of all time. Um. Crazy Horse 2 really stepped up to the plate. I remember um, they had, it was just amazing inside. They had a full-on locker room. They had a house mom that would feed you. They had a tanning bed. They had also another thing with Crazy Horse 2. They hired (coughs) whoever and let them really work whatever shift you wanted to. There wasn't, you know, there was one manager that he was, somewhat picky i can't think of his name but he was he was pretty like the overall the whole club was good there wasn't so much racism but back then i did have to be blonde um to make the money like blonde was in you know it was a different generation we're getting into the 2000s before things start evolving that was you know they wanted to see more of like more european like look you know and i i had to be blonde for a period of time up until I'll have to get until my th- late, you know, until towards the end, you know, recently. So was the was some what's the most amount of money you made in a night stripping? Over night? ten thousand. I've had four or five thousand dollar nights like all the time. Um that And you don't touch a single dick. Oh in yeah, that and rub a dick all the time. Yeah. We had a little Oh, I don't know. Well, I, look, I meant there's like, an art. You- so this is the thing. There is an art. See, my time, the strip clubs were fun. You could go. And I know COVID things has changed. I had a little art. I knew how to get an, I knew how to do a lap dance and make a guy get off. I had a knee like I could move it around and rub it around the dick. And I was good. You know what I mean? (laughs) Wait, wait. Were you, were you using your thigh as an erotic part of the body? 
And then I would get my butt cheeks. Listen, I would get my butt cheeks when I'm sitting on. I know how to give a lap dance like unbelievable. I would sit on and then if they had the right pants, I would squeeze it right in between. So because I knew what it was. Between your butt cheeks. I would squeeze it. And then you would like jerk them off with your no, butt cheeks. No, I would just, I would, dance? my muscles were good. So I would squeeze it, hold on to it, you know, but then you don't, you want them to keep on going. So basically I'm really good at edgy. You know what I'm saying? So basically you get them to edge. Now there's some people, they had accidents. I personally never got offended. I was just like, hey, cool. Like it's you, whatever. But like I had a little artwork, you know, of the whole lap dance. So no, I would, this, this is the thing. And, and I'll tell you one thing. I'll never forget when I was in Tampa and I met my first like pro hoe. Okay. And sh- her name was Shayla. And if you were going to be a hoe, you're going to be like Shayla. Shayla pulled out a bag and had all these like BDSM tools. And you know what she told me? There's different ways of tricking. You don't give the whole kitty cat out. Right. And she told me that because I listen. This is the thing. I listen to every older adult entertainer, sex worker, whatever. I listen to them. And there is an art of not just giving it away right away. And a lot of p- times people want to be teased. They want to be edged. They just don't want to like bust a nut right that second. You know, they want to enjoy, right? And if you pay $20 for a lap dance, you want to sit there and enjoy it a bit. You know, if you go to the VIP room, you want to sit there and enjoy it a bit. You just don't want to like, imagine if you pay 200 to go in a VIP room and you nut real quick. Yeah, the <laughs> you know. Or not nut at all. Or not Uh, nut at all. (laughs) No, but you want you want the enjoyment. Plus, also because I always had to work day shift or mid shift. I learned how to talk to different guys. People want attention. You know, I learned how to. That's where like I like the Clubhouse app because you know it's about talking, getting to know people. It isn't so much of, you know. So I learned a lot of skills with the stripping. So um, in Vegas, I went back. I had my daughter. I. during the housing crisis, I went back to Miami. I did. I went to Miami instead of Tampa because I was like, hell no, I'm not going to that shithole. I lived in Miami for like 18 months, got tired of Miami. I actually tried doing um, real estate, which I got my real estate license. And I have a lot of family in Miami and they did not fucking help me at all. Like, again, I got my real estate license, did everything. My family, because I'm Cuban and Puerto Rican. So my Cuban side did nothing, you know. And did nothing at all to help me get out of the career, whatever. And um, I did do real estate and um, I actually was successful at it, but I did rentals because I saw it being more practical. And then right before the housing crisis, um, I have sort of this weird sense of. So you were just, just uh sorry, but you were stripping for like about a decade. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, stripping, but, but I would always listen. I always a went to school. Or B, I learned to trade, like I learned how to deal cards. I always did something for a backup. I had an eBay business. I never, yeah, I still have a separate vanilla business, you know, vanilla job, not a business, a job that I do, that I belong to a union. But um, I never, yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm clarifying, like you, you're just stripping, you're not doing prostitution, you're not doing no. happy things, you're not doing online no, stuff, no. you're just... Just yeah, on that I pole. was working that pole. Doing your clamping right, with the butt cheek. Which, now, I, I did have like, there was, you know, there was time where um, I, there would people like I would do some BDSM work because uh, a friend got me into that earlier than that. But the majority of my money came from the pole. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, I well, 90% of my income, uh, 85% of my income is, you know, adult entertainment 
work. Sorry about that. Um, so um, anyway, uh, back to what I was saying, I did try doing to appease my family, again, to appease my family that wasn't helping. I did get my real estate license. I studied. Um, I did like sell somebody's home. Um, I wasn't very much money. I say though, I probably made like under 10 grand when I did real estate, but I, I went about and I did it in Miami because that's where my father's side of the family was. And I didn't get any help. <laughs> any help whatsoever. I did it all like on my own. Um, I got tired of that. And I just saw like I something told me to move back to Vegas, right? And this weird intuition. So I went to Vegas. And all of a sudden, the good club crazy horse to closed down. And then I'm working at this shithole, which is a nice club. It's still open to this day. Spearmint Rhino. And that's um, that club was I just couldn't stand the shit they did to us. I actually sued Sp- Spearmint Rhino. Um, basically, they would shake you down for money. Um, I've been sexually assaulted by um, I was some of the managers like I don't want to get into who's who, but I was sexually assaulted, forced to perform sexual service on certain managers. And, you know, it, it just was it kept on adding up. I had back surgery, for instance, and all the bouncers were like coming with their hand open for my back for my medicines. And once those medicines ran out, they started like getting in my way like if I brought in um I'll never forget I brought in when you mean medicines you mean like Vicodin like they wanted oh, your yeah, Vicodin yeah. so everybody knew at the time I had my back surgery bouncers included man now they want your pain pills they wanted my pain pills and as long as I was giving them my pain pills they were being nice to me letting me get to customers when the pain pills ran out and then they were trying to shake me down they, they were giving me a hard time. And I had a lot of, I got tired of the shakedown by the man. It was a totally, though that club was so, di- Spearmint Rhino, I endured so much abuse. That's why I did sue them. How'd you do? Um, I, I came out in the class action. I did well. I sued them. And it was, it was, it was, all, I there's a lot of girls. Class action. It was some girls, but a lot of girls that I work with refused to be part of it because they were afraid they were going to lose their jobs. Um, but I sued them. I sued Sapphires as well. Um, Sapphires did something messed up to me too. I remember because, and none of those clubs could light a candle next to the crazy horse too. Like it was at that point, I was like, I'm done with this. And it what was weird was, um, I, my final straw was, uh, remember MySpace. I got real big on MySpace because I, you know, I was a sexy girl. I had pictures out and, um, I pulled a guy off MySpace to come into the club. Right. And the manager got mad at me. And he brings me into the office and then he goes, oh, you're starting to prostitute yourself. And I'm like, or, or he said something like that. And so what happened was the guy, he, he the guy that I brought in from England gave me a total of 600 The guy you brought, the business you brought into the fucking strip club. Now you're now, let in me trouble tell you, for. Right. Yes. So let me tell you, because this is when social media was new and um, they brought me into the club. Right. And so... What happened was the guy gave the bouncer only $100. And I think I only made like 600 And they, at Spearmint Rhino, they had their, there was girls that'd be like, I give them a tip no matter what. That's where they fucked up the game. Now, I, I don't give tips unless I'm getting paid. And, um, you know, I have no problem tipping a bouncer if they're hooking me up. But I got an issue when you're going to shake me down. 
You know what I'm saying? And see, when they came after Crazy Horse 2, they said all that bullshit. And every bouncer that worked at Crazy Horse 2, every manager was a fucking gentleman. But at Spearmint Rhino, it was just fucked up. It was so fucked up. So I sued them. I got and I said, you know, enough of this. Um, Then I moved to L.A. And I'll get into how I transitioned from L.A. Um. So I started working of the Walmart, a strip club called Deja Vu, which I hated. And then I was working. I moved to L.A. because I discovered a vanilla job, which I joined a union. I don't really want to talk about my vanilla job because it's not something that I'm trying to pursue to get big at. But I found a vanilla job that I can work in L.A. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I got into that union, but I still needed to. I couldn't make enough money, of course. So I would go work at this Deja Vu chain, which was just fucking horrible. Like it's the Walmart, a strip club clubs so deja vu is like the worst fucking chain ever they just were terrible like and it was disgusting now that was like a prostitution hole and um they kind of knew it and they i don't know like um so i worked there for a bit and then luckily i meet like um there was a, a new uh waitress what do you mean a prostitution hole oh because girls were doing all kinds of dirty shit like one day and you weren't one day no, no, because it was fuck. It was too dirty. Like one day a girl goes, "Hey, that guy's offering eighty dollars right now. If I go sit on his dick, I said, girl, why don't you go walk the track? Because you can get some more money than that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, I had to tell her because she was a beautiful girl. Like, do you so- think that these girls who charge so low do so because like they don't believe that they can get more? They don't have game. In my day, listen, my day we called it game. Okay. Now, I don't know what the hell people are calling it. Game is is where you finesse. Game is where you know how to talk. Game is where you present yourself like you have class. And now it's a new breed of, I don't know what the hell. Sometimes I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? Back then in like, you know, mid 90s to mid 2000s, mid 2000s, the, the internet's fully on. Mm-hmm. Was there any community back then? Among gals like you? So in 2004, I remember pregnant and I remembered looking at strip clubs. Um, there was, what was it called? The Ultimate Strip Club List. And that's how I would find out clubs. I want to say in about 2012, I started doing cam work. That's why I was like, you jumping. I'm like, you don't even know my whole sex career. Let me tell you. Okay, so 2012, I did do, I got into Streammate, a cam site. Um, I actually was doing good on it. Like I played around with the internet, but I didn't play around. I didn't fuck with the internet. Like I fuck with it hard now. You know what I'm saying? Right, because, because, because you have to. But back then right, it was like this then, weird. Right, back then it was about, like this was the thing. Like a girlfriend of mine, used to say I wherever I go with my heels I can go work so that's how it was I would just find club after club and I worked at I I didn't just work at that one club I worked at a whole bunch of clubs in um, LA I loved living in LA a city but once I discovered I could be my own boss and I could do bachelor parties I started placing ads on Backpage. And I love the fuck out of Backpage. But I love the fuck out of Backpage. That was a fucking awesome site. But they fucked up because they didn't ask for ID. So I did the bachelor party thing. Got a lot of clients. Um, That's how I did things. And I, I did very, very well. What was a Marcella Alonzo bachelor party like? 
Well, that I used to go by a different name. I Marcella just got born in 2017, I think. <laughs> I, I rebirthed her. I was I, I went by like different various names, but um mm. and I got to also dance with my idol. Her name is Mercedes Ashley. She's one of the smartest women, by the way. I've got to just shout out to her. Um, but a standard bachelor party, I could make like a grand a night, sometimes as much as three grand, but I would only do them the weekend because again, what were you doing? Oh, and what was I doing? Like, that's the funny thing. Um, again, my lap dances, I would play games with the guys. I just knew how to entertain. So I would go in dressed up. Um, sometimes I would have like a bouncer like guy. Sometimes I wouldn't depending because I could really hold my own, um, way, and I just played various games. Um, I even at one time, because I, I would have to find a partner. So that was an issue. I'd have to, I would need a partner. And sometimes the partner would be flaky. She'd get a boyfriend or whatever. And some girls weren't comfortable taking a strap on because that was a $500 show. If we could sell the strap on show, it's $500. We split it with each other. So once, so when I got tired of dealing with girls, I would be like, okay, pay me 500. You could fuck me with a strap on. So I got creative. I did all sorts of games, um, like different games. Like there was one where they all put the dollar all over you. Um, another one where, um, we embarrass, the um and then we end up spanking the bachelor so i would come in and play like five or six and there were dollar tipping games but they added up and it would kind of put the it was fun and you know what there was one one bachelor party i did where a guy his father was bed bound and his father hired a girl and he was so nice you know, they paid me a couple hundred dollars. They were so polite. They were like, look, it's our father's birthday. He's been bed bound for so many years. Um, another time where like a father, his son was in a wheelchair. I did a lap dance for the son, you know, like, and, and a lot of them were, I've got fed because again, I was dealing with my community, the Latin community. So I'll never forget this Peruvian guy. He had a restaurant. He was, he was a gay guy and he hired me for his father and then he fed me and then he said, come to my restaurant. And then we became good friends. So a lot of parties I did turned into like family events. Again, the his, I miss, I really do miss that him, Hispanic community of, um, in LA, um, because you know, my culture is different than the Mexican community. It's very different, but I had some good experiences. I did have some, a couple Bob where one guy tried sticking a bottle and I turned around and I had to get the bottle and I almost hit him. Cause I'm a tough, he chick. tried to stick a bottle in you and my ass, but I didn't have like, he went up from behind me and I, all I did is I got the bottle. I said, game's over motherfucker. Like that, put it right in his head, you know, cause I'm like, and, and I left what I felt is they just fucked up. Like I got my money and I left like that, you know, and I'll, be honest when i was in la the mexican community treated me like gold okay el salvadorians treated me like gold and in, in a party setting it was the white men in a group they were the worst all of a sudden you get a group of white guys caucasian guys they're too good to pay for anything you get a white guy by himself he's paying the most you, you know, know what, what they saying? call a group of white guys what a world war a world war no, but those were the those were the worst. But I'll tell you one thing: I did a um, I have done um a hockey team. When it comes to the only good ones with there were groups of white people. Were um, I did a whole hockey team with a girlfriend of mine. That was good. From but they were all Canadian. And then I did. I don't want to say the football team. Um, 
And I've had some celebrity clients, but I don't kiss and tell. Right. One one of my it was very sad. One of my good customers died. And, and I, I don't even want to dare say who his name is um, because of the sake of his family still to this day. But um, I, also, I mean, if it's Rush Limbaugh, he can go fuck no, himself. No, no, I would I would fucking sell that shit. So um, I did. A whole, <laughs> <laughs> I would sell that shit right now. I would sell that shit. Wear it. Buy a fucking... But if it's Kobe, you're like, hey, I pay my respects. No, no, it wasn't Kobe. Co- no, Kobe, I think, honest to God, Kobe loves his Latinas, but I think he was faithful to Vanessa, and I believe that rape was set up. So that's my personal... I think Kobe was a... He's... I had never heard... I heard about every other... Because of the girls, I heard every other ball player. I never heard anything about Kobe. So, um, Kobe, no. So what was I saying about the, um, so, so we, we the, you, you, oh, a baseball team. I did a baseball to- team. Yeah. The baseball team. I'm not going to name the team, but they were gentlemen. I'm not going to name and this the is team. for the yeah. bachelor parties where you're doing the sex shows in right. front of them. Right. Well, they weren't necessarily sex shows. They were games. They we played games. You know, or I pulled out a dildo or whatever, and I always brought. You know what I did with a dildo? It was funny because I worked with another girl, and I said, "Girl, instead of cleaning it, put a condom on it." I bring condoms to put on my dildo because you can only clean that yeah. shit so often. So I always yeah. had my and and then if I'm gonna suck on it, I put a flavor condom. That's the best. So you're your own boss. You're running this business. You're throwing these parties. Uh, how long did you do that for? Hold on, I gotta count. Like about four or five years. And then I got enough clients from the parties. That's when I did more of the central body rub. But then I had, since 2012, I've been on night flirts. Okay. And because I do have, now the reason I don't really push BDSM is I get too excited. I get really excited. I do. And As a dom? Yes, I really do. Like I, um, Tara Indiana, who she's another one of my idol. There's only two women that I can give credit to. Tara Indiana was my teacher, my trainer. She's on Clubhouse now. Everybody needs to follow her. Um, she trained me and she was an amazing woman. But when she was, you know, teaching me and training me, I was getting very excited. Very, very excited. Meaning, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed tying people up. I enjoy, um, you know, when I get submissives coming through, I get, there's a sense of, I start fantasizing, being with the, you know, that I'm like, whoa, hold on now. I'm enjoying it too much. In the 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. 2000 to 2010, what was using the internet like as a sex worker so in ways... That people they, wouldn't know they about. They had they had the arrows guide. Arrows guide has always been the best one. Um, I use arrows as soon as I got into fetish work. I used it and I would put my um. And night what is it? Line. You want to tell people? Arrows guide. Yeah, but I don't recommend because now it's fucking complicated and shit. Sir, no, 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 no. I'm not same, saying to recommend. I'm just okay. saying so we know what A- we're talking. Arrows about. guide. Arrows guide. And then back then back page. So, right, but what what was what was Arrow's Guide? Because a lot of people don't even Arrow's know what Guide. That was. Oh, you don't have to explain okay, the whole thing. Okay, you just oh, gotta okay. say what it is. Oh, Arrow's Guide is where you find escorts, where you find girls for BDSM posting sims, site, posting okay. site for massage. That's the one. But but now shit's changed. So um, yeah, I was pretty much my own boss. I kind of quit doing. The, you know, like I kind of phased out doing the bachelor parties and I was doing like the massage. And then I spent a couple years, I want to say three years where I was actually like an assistant helping girls. But I stopped because 
Um, it was like a period of three years where I didn't see anybody at all. And I was helping out more assistant work. And I stopped because of the new changes with Backpage and then the new laws because the girls that I help, all of a sudden, they saw a decrease in money and they were coming after me like I was fucking doing something. And I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck you, bitch. And you Don't were like, let... no, call your congressperson. <laughs> no, I was like, fuck you, bitch. Guess what all it did? I was like, fuck you, bitch. Now I'm going to come up. And I came back as Marcella to clean you up. You came back out of spite? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, because because this is the thing. I'm helping. Yeah, I was like, fuck you, bitch. I'm now going to come back in the game. I'm going to take all your money. I said, no. I said, first of all, you might have got me out of the game because so because I I was I built up so many relationships with so many people, you know, like tons of relationships and, and everything. And I started helping girls, you know, and. Um, I got, and I was doing, you know, I was, things were going okay and whatever money was good, but then shit was slowing down for people, you know? And then I, then they were coming at me and I even had one girl come and threaten me with the police and extortion and all that. Yeah. She sent me, I kept the, the, the email to this day. Cause I'm like, this bitch better not even fucking come to me. You know, I never was like, oh, you have to, or whatever, or, or do this. I was very fucking you know, like very good. And I looked out for people's safety a hundred percent. You know what I'm but saying? But they wanted to be ungrateful. They were like, you're going to bring me. Oh all, yeah, bitch, you're going to be. I'm well, Michael Jordan. I'm going to come out of retirement again and mm -hmm. I'm going to go play for the Wizards. And well, no, I would say stuff. Me. And well, so this is the thing. I would say stuff like, you know, like, again, this is during when Donald Trump, like, you know, hey, don't talk about politics with your client. You know, that's going to start an argument. You know, there's some things you can't, you know what I mean? And I know how, listen, I know how, you know, men, men, bottom line, want to have a good time. They don't want no drama. They don't want no issue. And honestly, you have to enjoy what you did do for a living. And I wasn't enjoying dealing with women. I enjoyed dealing with men. When I did my bachelor parties, I enjoyed it. When I saw guys privately, I enjoyed it. I always do stuff what I enjoy. I don't fucking cross the boundaries, right? When I danced, I enjoyed it. I love giving a lap dance, okay? I enjoyed it. I love getting these nice hot guys and grabbing their dick and fucking sitting them down and giving a lap dance but you know so when I after I was assisting because again I got out of the game for a little bit and then they started whining and complaining and they're coming at me I said uh oh and I and Marcella was born so and when Marcella came on all of a sudden I discovered a site called OnlyFans I didn't know what the hell it was or whatever I said let me get on this bitch and you hadn't done any online work since the webcaming right right I I really didn't do online work um I kind of was you know like at that point I developed Was Marce there like an attitude about online sex work in the 2000s the way online dating was like oh okay. I'm not going to do that let, let, let me let me get let me get there let me get there I kind of was still seeing people and then um and again I was I was something inside of me that that thing to get up and move happened again. Okay. And I was like, I, I need to move. I need to move. So again, I have this vanilla job, but I kind of abandoned my vanilla job because I was helping these girls so much. I kind of lost myself helping these people that in return did nothing but kick, you know, like just fuck you, you know, like they, like I, they, I was like, okay, like, so, you know, I, I quit, like I said, for I did so much, I quit really the bachelor parties, I quit like a lot of shit. And so I felt like I kind of like lost myself and something told me again to move. I didn't wasn't working my vanilla job. I said, let me move. 
something told me, go to New York, go to New York, go to New York, go to New York. Your daughter's New- also like, also out, you know, well, she's out yeah, the house my, my oldest is, my oldest So you is have out. more flexibility. Right, my move. youngest was with her father. And um, I was like, you know, like, let me, let me, something told me, and I love LA. I love LA, right? I love LA. I love, I love living there, whatever. There's this weird intuition that tells me when to do something. And I always listen to it. So something told me to go to New York. And at the time I just got cert. I said, let me go to New York and let me have a skill. And I got certified in bondage. And I didn't really practice it in LA so much as I wish I would have, because I think those guys would appreciate, but I came to New York and I came to New York again. I was, I was, and then I started fucking around with the OnlyFans. I didn't know, you know, I was fucking around with it, but I was like, oh, this is cute. It pays my fucking arrows ad so I can do the bond assage or whatever. I really didn't know too much about it. I also did phone sex under verified call, which I loved. I did night flirts. I was on I Want Clips. Um, you know, I fucked around with shit. I fucked around with some of the online stuff, but was it making a good, was it making like, like an income like I do now? You know, it wasn't big or whatever. So I moved to LA, I mean, moved to New York and, and I'm actually from the Bronx, right? And I haven't been here my whole life or whatever, cause I've lived every other fucking place, like a fucking gypsy, you know, and I get here and the gentrification really fucking was real. <laughs> the, it was just different. Like, I just felt like, you know, even though I was doing the bondage, I just didn't get much people or whatever. You know, I just wasn't having like the love I had from L.A. L.A. like L.A. gives you love. L.A. loves the hell, you know, that those the Mexican community like they love Kobe. They love their Lakers. They give you freaking love. And in New was York, there, was there some like was there some uh was that some of it had to do was there some shock to the system of like oh now this whole sex work game also involves social media and building an audience no 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 i'm gonna tell you one thing i'm gonna tell you one thing when i came to new york you know because i'm a latina woman and over and over in la i was accepted because it's accepted to be latino over there i came to new york i'm another puerto rican do you understand? Again, yeah. you know, the sad fact is a lot of Hispanic people get classified. We do still get discriminated. And all of a sudden, when I moved to New York, um, again, you know, I'm not getting that love like I got back. You know what I'm saying? I'm When I am getting guys, it's creepy guys. Like, there was a creepy chiropractor. Like, oh, God. He's like, I love Latina woman. You know, um, I just wasn't getting that depreciation like I got back over there, you know, and people know how to fucking act in LA. They behave. And New York, I just wasn't, you know, the, the, the best person that I have actually that um, I did see who was a total gentleman and I did see him for bondage. And there was like only one golden person. And um, right away he was like, I'm African-American. I was like, I got no problem with that. And he was a total gentleman, but the white man here treated me like garbage in New York. Like uh, the racism was real for black and brown workers. I feel it. And again, I see these other cis white girls charging like 800, 900. I'm like, how? What? How? Have like, you ever tried to charge 800, 900? They won't come. Yeah, but have you tried? Yeah, but they won't come. I, I Like they won't. Yeah, like they won't come. Like I've, I've told people before, right? So 
and that's the like basically my bondage was i think i was like one of the cheapest girls that charge it because it's like kind of a it's a bondage is something where you have to get certified and then you know only certain people and i think i was like one of the lowest at 500 for 90 minutes or whatever and still that was like pulling teeth so again luckily I had my union card. And so I started working my union job. And that that was actually better than it ever was in LA, which was surprisingly. And that worked out very, very well for me. Um, but then I was still fucking around with the online world. Come 2019, early 2019, some girl hits me up on IG and tells me about Telegram. And this is February of 2019. And I'm like, okay, like, this is cool, whatever. And all of a sudden, I discovered this whole community on Telegram. And again, like I said, I was fucking around, but I wasn't making money. The first month I got on Telegram, I made over $5,000 um, thanks to this networking community. And that's fucking This good. is something alien to a lot of people. How does a person make $5,000 on Telegram, which is okay, a Okay, doing app. share... So, okay, um, I had my OnlyFans, I remember, and I had like 100 paying fans at $9.99 back then, okay? This was 2019, way before the pandemic, before it got to be big, nobody was on it, and I was just working, I remember Snapchat, and I was working Twitter, um, I had an IG, but I wasn't fucking around too much with IG, because I was kind of scared with IG, um, because I heard girls lost it, and so like I was making probably like a 1000 a month, maybe... 1200 whatever and all of a sudden girls started doing share for shares with other girls so I started doing share for shares and then I saw the money increasing the fans increasing and I was like whoa this is something now the whole community of telegram back then was only online workers so I kept my half like I said when in Rome you do as the Romans dude I kept my mouth shut about my other business what everything I've done but I still in that community was the one had been in the business the longest and I just kept my mouth shot I just you know I wasn't going to tell anybody else what I did I, I just you know I wanted to learn this online world and I really did I started doing premium snap um you know at the time also what was keeping me afloat before I discovered telegram is I was doing video calls and video calls I love I love video calls um where guys basically they pay for like a Skype session and they jerk off to me and I just fucking love it. You know, um, nothing like somebody just not busting a nut <laughs> in front of you. But like I enjoyed doing, I really enjoyed doing the Skype calls. I, it was that interaction I had that I missed from the strip clubs. So I, so with Telegram, I started marketing and I just learned so much from this online world. But because I was on Twitter under this Marcella, I did get some hate from the people that were in-person workers. I'm just going to say in-person workers. You know, I got little sneers like, oh, you're nickeling, dime your clients. I get the full, you know, like e it was funny. Everybody that was kind of hating me now has an OnlyFans page. I just separated myself because my thing is I always went where the money was at. Like, why am I going to sit around and and, and why am I going to sit around and not make no money or or do this when I can make for sure money? And every month, my money was going up. Like it and went, with the online work. With the online work. I imagine work. you were making way more than you were doing any of the massage in a month. Well, no, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. you, you don't know what I was. I was I was making money. Uh -huh. We're going to talk about that. But okay. I was doing good. Uh, we were, look, in LA. I it was, is funny. It is yeah. funny you say that there was like this pushback from in-person workers against OnlyFans the same way like comedians, there was pushback against TikTok talk 
when right. TikTok started, we were like, oh, you're going to do TikTok? Come on. What is that? It's not even comedy. Now that's all the comedy. Comedy is only TikTok now. Right, right, right. <laughs> same thing. So, so same exact same exact bullshit. Um, so my thing is I'm going for, and see, to me, it's a fucking, it, it was just easier to do online. It was so much fucking easier. Like you just market with other people. I could stay in my house. You know, I love doing video calls. I didn't have to worry about my safety. I didn't have to worry about like, you know, all this fucking complications and, it was just great. And then I could have like a family life. You know, like, I just like that. I was like, Oh, this is cool. I could go anywhere without and just chill out. If I wanted a day off, I could have a fucking day off. I just said, you know, it was time maintenance. It was so much better. You know, and then I like I said, New York, I felt like, you know, the way people it, it, it's like a white girl's world in New York, like shit was because I would be like, Hey, is this is hard, you know, and people were, I don't know. New York wasn't New York. <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck did they do to New York? Like, there, there, there's the last OG when he go, arrives in Brooklyn. He goes, what the fuck happened to Brooklyn? That's what I was like, what the fuck goes on to Brooklyn? So um, that's how I felt, honestly, because it wasn't like it just wasn't straight out. It wasn't so it was genderfied, you know, like totally fucking genderfied. And um. So I did the online work and way before the pandemic and the money was just multiplying and all that. And I just learned how to, you know, I learned about the terms of service right away. And, um, you know, and then I, I just said, hey, this shit just doesn't make fucking sense. Why am I going to say so I kind of quit the in-person work altogether just because I didn't want to fucking do it anymore. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's oh. not as cost effective. It, it wasn't cost effective. It was they're never going to pay me what I'm worth. And if they want to pay you 10 grand, I'm sure you would probably be like, I could do that for 10 grand, but there's no need for you to hustle $300 appointments. Like if anybody wants to come forward and give me 10 grand, I'm open to it. But she's like, she's like I will fuck the ever loving right. shit out of you for 10 but, grand. But in reality, in reality is they just don't fucking come through, you know, with online work. You are marketing the world yep. versus your city. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to sit here and just go hang with everybody in New York. OK, I'm, I can live in New York, but now I'm in a network worldwide, mm -hmm. you know, and I did, I'm going to tell you one thing. When I went to New York, I didn't even get the love from other girls. You know what I'm saying? I felt like a lot. It was just weird, weird. Like I never felt um, I just didn't feel the love like those, you didn't feel part I, of a community. I, Oh, no, no. I'd never felt part of a community here. Um, I felt like there was a lot of agendas. Also, I didn't feel respected as an older sex worker at all. Um, n like, just not valued at all. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> as someone who showed respect when you were in your 20s doing sex work, you showed respect to the older gals. Uh, so was oh, this yeah. like a big shock to you? Um. It's their loss. Their loss. They're not getting that knowledge. Because <laughs> when I when the pandemic first ha happened, um, I opened up to try helping some in person workers, and I went to some this organization that rejected me very badly, an unnamed organization. Does and it happen to have four letters and then Brooklyn after it? Ios <laughs> meals, but the <laughs> but the way they treated me, you know what I'm saying. 
the the way they treated me, these people treated me, and I'll say these people because I don't know their pronouns, but you know, um, I I just didn't appreciate as an older sex worker, and I certainly didn't appreciate as a Hispanic woman that you say you're supporting the black and brown community because what I was willing to help was with the black and brown community because we do need help, and um, I feel like uh, there's a lot of was it white slavery was it not white slavery going uh, how you say that uh white um, it. salvation where the white people are like oh black, like they, they they say black lives matter it's like uh how you say it white sits um i can't uh where's it called are you talking where, about performative allyship it's a term where white people are like yes we're gonna take care of you and this and that but it, it's they're showing yeah fates. i think you would call that performative allyship i think like they're being an ally, but they're only performing. There's it. another thing: white salvation or white salvation I or mean, something white like salvation that. Well, sounds like the villain's end goal. <laughs> oh I said gosh. white slavery by accident, <laughs> but I didn't mean that. But but this is the thing. Listen, it, this is how I feel, and this is for all my white people out there. You need to start closing your mouth and opening your ears and let the black and brown community speak. And before you push an agenda, listen to your black and brown community before you start pushing agenda that you feel like you're doing correctly, because that's happening too much um, where we're not being heard. And that's I honestly and I've tried saying that to certain people and nobody's like listening to me. You know what I mean? But before you. So I went to a certain community. I was willing to like, hey, do a seminar, coach, whatever for free. Okay. And I got totally rejected because that's not that person's thing. But what I'm trying to offer is not for that person. It's for a community. It's to help a community. And I'll be honest, when I got on Telegram before it got popular, you know who I saw profit the most was the black and brown community. I saw a lot of um, African-American women that were making a ton of money doing very well. Um, without having to see people in person, where in person work, they wouldn't profit so well. So I saw the fact that I could come in and help people, you know, let me do this during this time, because I had a whole year up in the game, and I already was doing it. And everyone's going to have to transfer over because it's a panty. Right. So I was willing to help. Again, I got rejected. I got like I got totally down and, you know, OnlyFans is bad because their terms of service doesn't allow prostitution. Oh, yeah. What what the hell? Not everybody got to sell their fucking chocha here now. You know what I'm saying? Like also, also, and, and they were also, again. Who does? <laughs> Literally, no one says you can do prostitution here. So it's like when you don't have another option. I think it's okay to pick one of the evils because it's not like you have an alternative you're allowed to go to. It's like it, when I went to right. the boarding school. So I went to a problem mm-hmm. kids boarding school. Kind of, it's complicated, but just okay. we had those types of kids there. And and we would get these kids yeah. who would complain about the rules like, ugh, I could smoke weed at my old high school. No, you fucking couldn't. Literally no high school yeah. exists anywhere, I think, where they just go, yeah, go for it. Smoke your right. weed. And also in my vanilla job, right, in my vanilla job, I can't go up in there and be like, hey, uh, you want to see me in person? I would never do that. When in Rome, because my father taught me that, okay, when in Rome, you do as the Romans do, right? And so I saw this was going to be a big thing. But again, I was, don't, nobody wants to listen to me. Nobody wants to listen. I don't know anything. Hello. I've only been selling my, you know, fucking asshole long since you were probably in diapers. You know what I mean? 
Like fucking, I was up in the pole while you were being born, honey. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I was like, but I realized after coaching a bit, I realized again, this is turning into when I, when I was being an assistant, I need to take care of myself first before I need to help other people. They're not going to listen to me. And I would have that. I would have people I would help and then they would turn around and then they would, they would, oh, I'm listening to this person, that person, whatever, listening to other white people. And that feels like a real big insult. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I would say the same thing, but oh yeah, you can't listen to me. You can't listen to me, but you can listen to this other, you know what I mean? It got really like, you know, so I was like, you know what? Again, right now, you know, I don't mind coaching or helping somebody if they want, you know, um, but I'm going to take care of me because I do have goals that I want to achieve and I'm going to work towards the goals and I'm not going to stick in any circle jerks of, of a community that's not um, going to bring me up. So right now I'm very happy. I'm very happy with the clubhouse platform that I found you on. The people there are wonderful. And I'm in now with a community, a woman of all different colors, shapes, sizes, genders or whatever. And Hey, you know, like they're easy and wonderful to talk to. You know what I'm saying? I'm not getting, uh, you know, like I remember, Remember somewhere I went in New York, uh, one program right away was somebody arguing with me something, you know, they gave me a great compliment because I said something like, yeah, I, I did better in L.A., but not here. And they're like, well, you're skinny. I go, well, thank you for that. But, you know, like I'm speaking that they started arguing with me. You know what I mean? Right away made me feel uncomfortable. I was like, thank you. You think I'm skinny? Like, I appreciate the comment, but I'm telling you my actual facts. And But they had kind of like a, an attack, like. You know, honey, we're not discussing politics here. Like, yeah, we're trying to make some money with our buttholes. Like, I, well, no, no, it wasn't even making money, but it was like, like, it's supposed to be a community to help each other, but it wasn't. It was like, I felt this like is the organization like, that you won't name. Yes. Okay, yeah, yes. Gotcha. It has yes, the, the same unnamed, letters as the unnamed. Ayos, <laughs> meals. Then they're all going to come back at me and they're going to be talking. Luckily, they will be screaming <sighs> into a void and you will be counting your money. I've been counting my money. Yeah. Um, I've been counting my money and some. But what I'm saying is like with the clubhouse community, I feel more welcomed. Um, I can express my opinions. I don't feel attacked. You know, if I say, hey, you know, I wasn't doing so well here, this and that. I'm not getting ridiculed for that. I can speak how I feel, my feelings, what's going on with me. And I feel respected. I can, you know, the, the ladies are just the the performers i should say because we have all different genders are wonderful look at you learning it's a great <laughs> that was another thing that was different because i didn't know about the pronouns until i came to sure. new york but 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 like look at you you just were like sure i'll do it you know <laughs> you didn't fight it uh, right but... <laughs> well no no this is the thing my english was bad and i used to put they they went to the store and i remember i it was in school and then now i'm like oh okay i could say they are you're like i've been english saying they forever subject. just out of sheer confusion i've been saying <laughs> but i was now but sometimes i get confused i have to say hold on i'm generation x because in my day, my, you know, like my gay friends were a she, I, I would say she, like they were she, you know, um, so things are, you know, their things are different, we adjust, but it's a great community. And I really love, you know, I love my fans. I love uh, what I do. I enjoy it. Like I'm looking when I finish this interview to go back to work to do some stuff. Um, and I like the community I found with Clubhouse. And uh, yeah, I wanted to say, uh, you know, folks, 
Marcella is like the hottest MILF type that you could like ever want to interact with on the internet, you know? <laughs> and uh, you said that you have like a huge clientele with the younger guys. Oh, I love I my younger to guys. Check you out. I want them to slap you oh, with their yeah, credit yeah. cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love my younger. Oh, yeah. I want them to slap me with a cock through the Skype oh, shows. That's what gosh. I want. <laughs> well, Marcella, where can people go to find you and do all those things with you? You can find me on ilovemarcella.com. That is my OnlyFans. Want to chat? Want to sex? Go to marcellasobella.com and go ahead and join my IG at marcellasobella. And I love my young guys. I love my Latinos. Oye, papi. Ven aquí. You know, I love. I will have a link to all of those uh, in the show notes of this episode, everybody. Uh, Please go follow Marcella. She's fantastic. Obviously has a lot to say. Uh, So there's a lot. So you should follow her so you can hear it all. Uh, Marcella, you are a delight and a pleasure. And I hope you hit your retirement goals as uh, as soon as possible so you can enjoy yourself. But uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, leave some people with some blue balls and say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Don't forget to come, and I'll make you come real good. I I think she needs her own podcast. You know what was funny? It was like when I go to edit, I could hear her sighing anytime I like interrupted or cut in with my own shit. And I don't know. I know I interrupt a lot. I'm working on it, but it's also my fucking show, right? So, but <laughs> you could hear her like frustrated that like she was not the only one talking, but she has so much to share. And I'm just like, lady, you need your own podcast because I would be your first subscriber. Um, lady's got some stories. We may have to have her back. I want to know what you thought about this week's episode with Marcella. I want to know what you thought about these concepts, these ideas that we brought up. Uh, I want to chat with you about them in the Champagne Room, our sex-positive, supportive, fun Discord server. Uh, There'll be a channel for episode 373 over there, uh, manwhorepod.com slash discord. If you want to share with me your comments, your questions, your criticisms, uh, you can shoot me an email at manwhorepod at gmail.com. You may even hear your email on the show. I've been uh, getting back to posting some pretty saucy content only on the OnlyFans. I went through a little bit of a lull for a moment. Uh, I was looking for my uh, Pam, but now I'm feeling uh, hot and grooving. My page is free to follow. Head on over to OnlyFans.com slash Billy. And one more time, uh, all my $5 and up fan whores are going to hear some more of Marcella and myself tomorrow on Patreon. And you can gain access to that and over 200 bonus episodes at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. If, uh, if anyone was thinking, by the way, you know, oh, why don't you prank her back? It's, I don't want to, but gosh, do I love to fantasize about it. Oh, I've just thought about like, oh, what if I just like ordered her a bottle of Pam on Amazon once a day, every day, because she orders shit on Amazon and it would mean she has to open every box. Then I thought like how terrible that would be for the environment. But like, you know, it would be funny. How, how many boxes of Pam would it take for her to just be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Next week on the show, I've got author Hugh Ryan. Uh, I just finished his book, When Brooklyn Was Queer, and I highly recommend it. Folks, stay hungry, stay hustling, keep the Pam where it is, please. 
and stay slutty. Hotmovies.com has long been an ethical and affordable place to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Now with Hot Movies Select, customers gain access to unlimited viewings of tens of thousands of additional films from all their favorite studios for the low, low price of $24.95. Visit HotMovies.com, click Select Unlimited, and use promo code MANHOR at checkout so they know who sent you.